at least you are not encouraged to ask questions. That means you are being overwise. You are not obedient. You are not following by the rules. Like I told you to do this. You just have to say yes and you have to do it. And here it's totally different. They encourage you to ask questions. They want you to ask questions. And it's okay to ask questions. In fact, it's a good thing. And sometimes people, when they're newcomer, they don't understand that. So that they are hesitating. And I have to make them realize that it's okay to ask questions. Don't assume things. Because then if things will go wrong, they will say, why you didn't ask questions? Wish that everybody who enters in this country, they know that it's okay to ask. It's okay to get your own clarification because it's your right and it's your responsibility. Hello, and welcome to episode 50 of Intercultural Insiders. My name is John McGraw, and I help newcomers, expats, and businesses connect across cultures to succeed in less time and pain. I am the founder of Hyaku Coaching, which is dedicated to helping you create your pathway to success in a new culture. The purpose of Intercultural Insiders is to share the stories of people with intercultural experiences. If you're feeling isolated or lost, you can hear something from the guest's experiences that could help you, even if it's just a reminder you're not alone. Today is part two of the conversation with Dara Majmundar, but I have a few other announcements to get into first. First of all, coming up next Thursday is Coaching, a Project Manager's Superpower, a session that I'm doing for the Latin Project Management Network. I'm co-speaking with my colleague and friend, Dinesh Sharma, CEO of BMG. This is going to be a hybrid event downtown Toronto, Thursday, November 2nd at 6 p.m. The Project Management Institute defines power skills as the behaviors that enable people to succeed. Coaching is part of a leadership style that involves recognizing team members' strengths, weaknesses, and motivations to help them improve. Dinesh and myself will discuss how project managers can utilize coaching techniques to achieve business results through people. You can register through the link in the show notes. And final announcement before we get into today's interview, Culture of Cohesion Summit 2023 by the Intercultural Skills Lab, focused on building interculturally inclusive and effective teams on November 14th. Diversity shapes the workforce. Inclusion makes it work. Less talk and more action. The Culture of Cohesion Summit brings together inclusion executives, researchers, and experts to showcase real-world solutions for successfully managing intercultural teams. Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. Follow the link in the show notes to register. And with all of those announcements done, let's get into part two of our conversation with Dara. She is a seasoned talent acquisition professional with more than 10 years in technical recruiting. She has lived, worked, and studied in three different countries, and she immigrated to Canada more than eight years ago. Some of the things that we cover today are confidence versus competence, and we discussed how confidence is perceived differently across cultures. 
Also, hiring decisions and how it's important to consider a person's work history and performance over their appearance during hiring decisions in an interview. Also, the dilemma of asking questions and the feelings about how that is across cultures and how newcomers should adjust to the way that questions are asked and used here in Canada to be able to integrate more effectively, and the importance of understanding rights and responsibilities uh, to alleviate unnecessary anxiety and conflict. Without further wait, let's get into part two of the conversation with Dara Majmunda. fascinating to see all of those changes and finding your way. And I think it also highlights the importance of willing to move around and finding those areas where your talents are most valuable. That importance of confidence when it comes to sharing things like your value and so on. So what could you say to that? Yeah, that's a great topic. So the whole topic of confidence in North America is my personal view is little different than what people think about in general. In North America, it's an individualistic culture, right? Whereas in East, it is a collective culture. So from where I'm coming from, no matter how much you are educated, no matter how much you work, no matter how much you learn, or no matter how much you know, you are always supposed to be down to earth, showing that confidence that I know my stuff, is considered as arrogant. And mostly your confidence comes from support from the family. So even if I'm not doing good in my work or job or study, but if my family is with me, that gives me lots of confidence because family means financial stability, family means social connections, and family means they will find you opportunities as well. So family is the institution that gives you everything, basically. When you come here, it's not about family doesn't give you anything for variety of reasons. Here, everybody is individualistic. And also, you cannot come here with your whole family. Also, you don't come here with relatives. Nobody knows you here anymore, right? Whereas there, people know you since your father, forefather. So here, your confidence is not same as it was when you were within your community. Because it's a totally new world. Even if I'm good at my work, my social confidence may not be equal because language barrier, people are different. So the thought process is different. I'm still trying to adjust myself. Now, here everybody thinks that if you're confident, that means you know your job. If you're not confident, you don't know your job. That's not true. If I come with my family, I'll be confident even if I don't know anything about my job. But if I'm not with family, I have financial insecurity, social insecurity, then I'm not that confident, even if I can do my job very well. So there is a difference. Where confidence is coming from is different. But for some reason, I, I think people don't have that understanding yet. It's just that if you're confident, that means you are a part of the society. If you are not, that means you're good for nothing. That actually bothers me because that's not true. You need to understand whose confidence is coming from where. There are many people who are very good in lying, cheating, deceiving, and they're very confident. But doesn't mean that they know how to do their job. I have never seen anybody understanding that, but this is really what I have seen. And I think people should 
create that understanding too, because confidence is highly rated. In this country, you have to be confident, right? If you are not, nobody will take you seriously, but they need to understand that everybody's confidence is coming from different resources. It makes me think of Japanese culture, for example. Sometimes many people who are very capable will not only not talk about it, but will downplay. Will say, oh, not very good at this. I encountered this many times when I was playing golf and I'm honestly terrible at it. And I would play with many Japanese players and they would always say, oh, I'm not very good. And of course they were far better. It was just not part of the culture to do that. I think that is a cultural bias that we have here. That's where fake it till you make it comes from. Just fake that confidence. I'm curious how, whether it's hiring managers or people in decision-making positions to get beyond that kind of surface assumption that confidence equals competence. Any thoughts about that? Yes. So in my understanding, they need to consider two factors, data and feeling both. Not just when you see somebody being nervous, not so confident. Okay. But look at what they have done so far or look at how they're performing in a test or in a technical assessment or in their overall professional development activity. For example, I, I came across one person who was very nervous, not motivated, and depressed when he was in the interview. But when I look at his profile, he had a great work record. He had an online presence and he had a blog. He had a, his own website and it was all amazing. I said, you're doing amazing because he had a teenager and he abruptly lost his job. So he was depressed, right? It doesn't mean that he doesn't have confidence and it doesn't mean that he cannot do his job well. So I understood that because I know I've been there, right? So I asked him, is that the reason? He said, yes. And then he opened up and he told me about the other situation going on because I said, the work you have done around you is amazing. It's just that today, the way you are talking to me is not reflecting. But I still gave him a chance and I still asked him to go to the second round. And I told him that go for a walk, feel refreshed, be positive, and you have nothing to worry about. And he passed that interview and the interviewer was very happy. And he didn't say anything about him being depressed or not happy or not confident at all. And, and he's doing amazing in the job as well. So you need to understand, we cannot just take people on the face value. You need to consider their work history and their performance at this one point in time. So that's my advice. If I can interpret it this way, that it... It's important to have a sense of empathy as well and consider, okay, where is that? If there's a lack of confidence, what is the reason? As opposed to just assuming that it's based on ability or, or yeah. the circumstances. I liked that you asked them questions about their situation, which I think as a coach, we need to get to that underneath as opposed to just saying, oh, you just need to, to act more confident and do this and just give them tips because the tips can be helpful. But what you need to do is help them to uncover what's going on and really listening to them. Speaking about questions, you mentioned something about the dilemma of asking questions. So I think that's again, a cultural difference. In the East, you are not encouraged to ask questions. So if you ask questions, you get clarification, that means you are being overwhelmed. You are not obedient. You are not following by the rules. Like I told you to do this. You just have to say yes and you have to do it. And here it's totally different. They encourage you to ask questions. They want you to ask questions. And it's okay to ask questions. In fact, it's a good thing. That's what I've realized. Because I tend to ask lots of questions and 
back home, I have been sometimes told that you're trying to be too overwise. You just need to be obedient. Whereas I came here and my professors, they appreciated me. And I was surprised. I'm like, really? So nothing's wrong with me. And it's okay to ask. So I think that's the whole difference in the culture. And sometimes people, when they're newcomer, they don't understand that. So that they are hesitating. And I have to make them realize that it's okay to ask questions. Don't assume things. Because then if things will go wrong, they will say, why you didn't ask questions? Then they won't say that, oh, because you were obedient. It's okay you didn't ask. Because it's a totally different mindset here than what we are used to over there. So I wish that everybody who enters in this country, they know that it's okay to ask. It's okay to get your own clarification because it's your right and it's your responsibility. For those who are running into that difficulty of adjusting, even if they have heard that before, that it's okay to ask questions, what would you suggest to them to take that in so it's not just something that they're hearing, but it's something that they can take in and, and really understand and that it is in fact okay. And, and if you don't, it can actually be to your detriment. So it's a process again. So I think asking question is a two-way sword as well, because if you are asking for the sake of asking, then it's again, not very acceptable or receptive. But if you ask, if you have genuine questions, then it's highly appreciated. And how do you reach to that level? We need to understand that this is not a country where uh, information is passed on from person to person. It's more about reading and learning on your own. And there are a variety of sources. If you go on website and if you make a habit of reading all the instructions or make a habit of doing your own Google search to, to get your own certain clarification, or you watch some YouTube videos and learn know how, there are lots of things that you will know and understand on your own. So you even don't have to be dependent on other people and not unnecessarily asking. But when you do your own research and then you come up with the questions that you didn't get answer from anywhere else, and then you are showing the genuine curiosity and you are not asking for the sake of asking, right? So, so again, there is that difference. But when you learn that and make a habit of reading instructions and finding information on your own first, then your asking question will be added value. It's showing you have that initiative. Because I did all this work, I, I want to know more about that. I think it ties into the structure of corporations, of societies, of the hierarchy, something that's stratified versus a, a more flat structure. I think it is a fascinating topic because for me, when I studied HR, I was studying two types of organization, flat organization, hierarchical. And at that time, it struck to me that it's not just in the organization or company. It also resonates in the society. So back home, if I want to talk to my manager, I always say, sir or madam, right? They're higher than you. So they will always act like they're better and superior than you in every aspect, not just the word, just because they hold that position. When you come here, when you go for a job and you say, sir or madam, people get a little annoyed here. Like, why are you calling me like that? Because it's a totally different here. You call everybody by their first name. And it takes a little while for people who have come from that culture to adjust because I'm not habitual of talking to my manager with their first name. It took me some time. But again, when new applicants are continuous, okay, sir, okay, madam. It creates a wrong impression because it shows that they don't understand this culture. It shows that they be, still believe in hierarchy, which is not part of it. That also means that you will take time to adjust in my company. Why do I hire you, right? 
So it's really important to understand that the whole structure of the corporate as well as country is quite different. Even if you are my manager here, doesn't mean that you are superior than me in all other aspects. That only means that you are here to facilitate my work so that I can do my job better. So understanding my rights and my responsibility frees you from a lot of unnecessary anxiety and unnecessary conflicts. And it helps you to adjust into the society when you go for a job interview and you know that this person is not higher than me or superior than me. Then just imagine automatically your, your whole body language changes. Now I don't have to be like that. Now I know I can sit like this and talk to you because we are safe. So the, the whole human rights and the whole hierarchical structure in your mind has to be cured before actually you enter into the job market or even before you start applying because that negatively affects everywhere. Even when you go to a restaurant and I've seen many people saying, because in India, if they're server, that means they're below category. You give them instructions. Please clean up this table. Bring that thing here, right? Whereas here, if somebody's a server, doesn't mean that they're anyway degraded than you, right? It's just that they're, they're doing a job. And so many people working that kind of jobs, they're highly educated. So reasons for people here working those jobs are very different than the reasons back home. And here, you are supposed to treat them equal. You may say, please and thank you. And you say them appreciated. They're, they're just like you. It's not because they're serving their inferior. But when you don't have that understanding, people behaving in a different way and they get annoyed. And then you don't get good service from server. And then you feel that people are egoistic. These people have attitude. No, they don't. You have not understood the system yet. So I think it's very important to understand this whole structural thing because it will make or break your chances at work at the same time being assimilated into the society. Speaking as a middle-aged man, whenever I hear somebody call me Mr. McGraw or Sir, I'm like, that's my dad. That's my attitude. I'm John, right? My cultural upbringing, part of the generation as well. Taking that in and understanding that is, as you said, a very important thing when you're going to interviews and also when you get into those managerial positions, because People want managers who are approachable and who are going to listen because then that leads to more communication in the workplace. It's partly about qualifications and so on, but it's about the people skills and the soft skills and people who get along with other people. Those are the ones that people who are higher up in the, in the corporations will often look for in terms of an opportunity. So it really affects a lot of things. You've mentioned a number of things that are important for people who are looking to integrate. If you were to narrow it down to one tip to start off with for someone who is coming here to Canada to keep in mind, what would that be? Learn about all the fraudulent activities going on here, all the possible scams that you can fall under. Because I fall under a scam being an international student and I lost my savings for three years. And it's devastating. And then I learned more about the thing. And then I realized that everybody knew about the scam, but I didn't. I was new. Before you enter in this country, learn about all the possible frauds and scams. Because it's not like back home where you trust everybody. It's all based on relationship and trust. If somebody's older in India, you trust them better. That's not true here. It has nothing to do with age. It's a very different society altogether, very different mindset. So you need to learn 
what possible scams or frauds that you can fall under. And that also entails what all income tax returns forms that you receive from your company. For example, if you work full-time, you receive T4, not T4A. Because T4A, then you fall under freelancing. And then if you go and apply for your PR, they won't consider your experience. Again, this happened to me and I had to bring in an immigration consultant and I had to tell my manager that I'm not alone. I'm aware about my rights, right? So any and every kind of fraudulent activities, learn about them. That's the basic and first and foremost advice that I'd like to share. That's very sound advice. What resources would you suggest for people to learn about those kinds of scams? There are actually books available which say that possible contemporary frauds. I watch news because I think news covers those scams a lot. And talk to people, all those people who are already here. Before you land into another country, everybody asks that, would you find me a job? No. Tell me one fraudulent activity that I need to know before I enter into this country. If you ask that question, I assure you that anybody and everybody will respond and they will give you one tip of advice. And that's what you need. Not that give me a job. Job yeah. much later. People are willing to share information if you take the time to, to ask. I've really appreciated the time and the insights that you've shared today. Is there anything that you would like to finish off with since you're doing coaching? What's the best way to get in touch with you? In terms of career coaching right now, so I have my own freelance practice as a career coach, I do session by session. So if you go on LinkedIn, that's the best way to connect with me. My career coaching service page link on my page itself. So it's not that difficult to find. You click on the link, you fill in a form and that way I'll get back to you. So that's the best way to do it. I'm also part of Orbit 5 team. So I'm an official job coach with them. So I take part in their job search bootcamps. I also visit Hanson College. As a drop-in career advisor, I share whatever I've learned so far with those students as well. So feel free to reach out to me, send me a message, connection request, service page request. You're always very welcome. Thank you very much for all you've shared today and looking forward to chatting more in the future. Yes, sure. Thank you. And that was part two of the conversation with Dara Majmundar. And as she mentioned at the end of the interview, she is open to connections. You can find the link to her profile in the show notes to connect with her, whether it's about career coaching, if you're a student or someone who's looking for a little bit of uh, advice, she can give a great deal and help you find the answers that you're looking for in terms of your directions and career. For continuous updates about what's coming up on Intercultural Insiders, be sure to subscribe to Intercultural Insiders Info, which is available on LinkedIn. You can find the link on my profile. So if you want to stay informed about what's going on, be sure to subscribe to Intercultural Insiders Info. Let's talk about next week's guest. And I'm very excited about this one. We've got Miguel Abascal, who is the founder of Thrive Faster and the podcast Newcomers on Fire. And I was, in fact, recently a guest on his podcast. Miguel is now coming on here to talk about his own experiences. 
Miguel shares he has a journey from being a top executive in Mexico to starting from scratch in Canada. How he was able to come back to where he is now is nothing short of inspiring. There are a number of things that we talk about in this two-part conversation. Part one is next week, Wednesday, November 1st at 12 p.m. Eastern. Some of the things that we talk about include adapting to a new culture, how Miguel had to relearn some of even the most basic behaviors like uh, greeting and adapting to a new communication style. We also talk about the power of effective communication. He uh, shares his struggle with adapting to a more concise and direct form of communication. And also identity and vulnerability. Miguel faced an identity crisis and had to redefine his sense of self. And he also discusses the cultural concept of vulnerability and how it was difficult for him to ask for help or admit his struggles. Be sure to tune in for that and to participate, ask questions. Until then, keep navigating your way between cultures towards your goals. 